when I first encountered you at the Stoa, I kind of sorted you into the category of like crazy person. <laughs> You know, because like there's always like a few of those at all, at all of these public events. You're like, this guy is insane. Everything has some aspect of inauthenticity to it. You have to accept that. And I'm just like, I don't accept it. There's somewhere inside me, there's like this banished child. There's like this like little boy I can't find anymore. I became this overcompensating, aggressive, almost tyrannical masculine in order to become strong. Men really spend way too much time in their head nowadays. They know how to be embodied, but they really don't know how to sit and be embodied. But you can feel the power when you get women in the space. And if it goes away, this thing's not gonna survive. It's like, no, you have a responsibility with everything you do as being a parent to the world and being a parent to the future, like whether or not you have children. People don't know how to talk to each other. Like, and if you can solve that, you can actually solve all the other problems. I wanna build on that, but literally I have to upgrade my Zoom right now or the meeting's gonna end. So please right. be with me. You're gonna upgrade it live? <laughs> you know what, this morning, if I keep this in the episode. Time's running out, Albert, like you have oh six God. minutes. You're either a true believer, crazy, or a bit of both, because we're now at episode five. I have a treat today. We have our very first guest from the STOA, Aaron Rogerson. Don't you dare call him Aaron. Funny thing about Aaron, he was actually the first human being to follow me on Twitter. I started a new account this past spring. I had like two followers. I'm pretty sure they were both porn troll accounts. One day I'm like, oh, I have a new follower, Aaron Rogerson. Oh, isn't he that metamodern masculinity guy from the STOA? I'll follow him back. And over the next few months, you could kind of sense from our tweets that we were both working on something behind the scenes. Lo and behold, in October, he releases the first episode of the Torch YouTube series on a Saturday. And on the very next day, Sunday, I released Noetic Nomads. What are the odds? So Arn's an awesome guy. In many ways, I see him as almost the complete opposite of me in terms of personality. But as you'll see in this episode, we have in common the fact that we're both weirdos, outsiders to the system, and we both said, game A, and all that noise. His work with his podcast, YouTube series, and sessions at the Stoa involve all that thonic, subterranean stuff, like Jung, the shadow, masculinity, and the meaning of life. I really loved editing this episode. I know this is technically my show, but it's honestly one of my favorite podcasts I've listened to in a long time. We go over Aaron's path from high school track star to a wannabe PT, to bartending, to finding the light through a Joe Rogan podcast with Jordan Peterson. What it means to be a meta-modern man, the awesome women at the Stoa, and the sense-making space, and how we need more of them if we want these spaces to survive. And Aaron was even gracious enough to armchair psychoanalyze me. Spoiler, I'm actually not a psychopath. You can watch on YouTube or listen on podcasts, and be sure to check out noeticnomads.org, where you can read articles written by the community, and check out the latest events happening in the noosphere. And if you're not a trollbot, follow me on Twitter, at noeticnomads.org. Okay, on to this fantastic episode with Aaron. Okay, we are recording. Welcome everyone to another brand new episode of Noetic Nomads. I'm Albert Kim, the inspiration for crazy rich Asians, minus the rich part. And with me today is our very first guest from the STOA. What the hell took so long? As co-host of the Golden Shadow podcast, creator of the YouTube series, The Torch, and regular facilitator at the new digital sangha, The STOA, our guest is an embodiment of the meta-modern man 
who ask deep questions on the nature of conflict, our individual and collective shadows, the archetypal manifestations which drive human behavior, and the primordial depths out of which the masculine and feminine arise. But even more impressively, this man is a god on the running track. As captain of the varsity cross-country team at Alameda High, he led his team to the state championships in 04 and 05 and was himself, as a junior, crowned ACCAL League champion. Nomads, please help me in introducing the man with the luscious locks this side of Jared Leto and my very first Twitter follower who wasn't a Russian troll bot. He is the one, the only... Aaron Rogerson. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, Albert. That was the <laughs> that was the greatest introduction I've ever received by far. <laughs> and uh, you did your homework. So uh, yeah, I appreciate I, that. I mean, look, like when I dig in, it's just like, yes, I mean, you you heard it. Everybody, Aaron, he's a god on the track, on the mic of the mind. So I mean, all right, so. What I want to start off with today, I don't know if you remember our first interaction at the STOA. I think I have an idea what it was, but what is your recollection of what it was? Yeah, yeah, this is funny. Uh, you know, when I first encountered you at the STOA, I kind of assorted you into the category of like crazy person. <laughs> you know, because like there's always like a few of those at all, at all of these public events. You always get kind of like a few people who are sort of like unhinged. You're kind of like, mm. okay, yeah, yeah, like that guy's a little crazy and yeah gotta watch out for him um because you had so much energy and you were mm. so excited and you, you were like kind of like shouting all these things uh but it didn't take long for me to realize that you were actually like a really smart really nice guy and that the energy was actually like really a virtue but um that was my first impression was like this guy is insane and uh i'm kind of worried about what he's gonna do at this like public thing uh but you know you ended up being one of the uh one of the many hearts at the stoa that keeps it keeps it alive oh wow Pump, pumps the blood pumps the energy through the stoa and makes it really makes it uh function as a as a body so uh it's really it's really been cool to see what you do and get to know you wow that's i mean i really i really appreciate that because uh yeah i mean i know like <laughs> i know with the work you do you know i mean like you're deep into like you know the the unconscious the shadow and all that mm -hmm. and i am afraid as hell <laughs> that you see into me like I, like i know that you see deep into me right and i'm worried sometimes that like oh my god because i know i have a dark shadow I, I have a dark past right but it's just like like is that me like am i really this crazy egotistical you know this kind of person or it, is that light really inside of me so i'm glad that other people can see so and i'm and i appreciate you saying that yeah man you are uh, you're full of love that's that's what i say I mean, yeah, awesome. I mean, thank you. And I mean, and do you know, I mean, what specifically was, was this session? Do you remember the first session it was where uh, you first encountered my craziness? Um, I don't, honestly, my, my recollection is that it was, it was a bigger conversation. It might've been like uh Rebecca or something. I don't remember really having like a one-on-one -on -one interaction with you. I just remember you speaking up uh, and yeah, I don't know. Do you remember what session it was? Well, yeah, I mean, like, I, I probably saw you in the sessions before. Like, I, yeah. you know, I kind of spoke on the mic uh, maybe before that, and maybe you were in the chat. But uh, the, the actual first interaction was actually, it was in uh, Ariel Friedman's The Dangerous Space. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it was, it was like a, a talk on, like, we're speaking on, like, uh, 
like masculinity and the topic was like femininity right and then yeah. i was kind of going on like I, I made a statement i was i said you know like i think we should move beyond uh, gender beyond sexuality we should go uh post uh gender right mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. not uh buy into what i saw as maybe like archaic uh, mm. uh maybe modernist interpretations of what masculine feminine is and that was yeah. my mindset back then and since then and actually with your prompting with your prompting Aaron, i've actually kind yeah. of you know started to buy into it a bit more and then mm. I, I i said my piece and then right after I, this is the first time i heard you speak you're like wait a minute there's something wait a minute you know what maybe we shouldn't be throwing that out because there's something divine even about I remember this. this yeah the masculine yeah. feminine now you remember this right yeah 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 and um so what exactly do you think is so important so it's like integral about you know the masculine and the feminine especially like at this point in time yeah i mean this is a it's a tricky question a lot of this is semantics right it's like what do we mean when we say masculine what do we mm. what do we mean when we say feminine um i think that it's just factually true that there are sort of two poles amongst humans masculine and feminine like i just mm. think that's like a true thing and whether you think it's right or wrong it's true and like you have to deal with it so um masculine and feminine is something that's been depicted uh in our mythology it's been something that's been uh you know the division of labor between men and women has been present through all of human history mm. uh and you know women are charged with an extremely important sacred role which is being pregnant and bringing life into the world mm. and it is like the most important most beautiful role there is i would say um and that creates like a fundamental difference between men and women women get pregnant men don't and like that's that's just a fact it's like there's no there's no way around that so mm. that there creates so much vibrance in the different patterns between men and women this this getting pregnant having the child and we have to acknowledge that and i think there's all kinds of um ways you can also look at the universe as having sort of this yin yang function that kind of ties into masculine and feminine that's a pretty abstract and uh you know i don't want to put too much stock into sort of like the cosmic dualism of you know the world but there is something there going on that masculine and feminine kind of align into um that is really uh, how you would describe any entity that it grows and emerges and evolves. It has this yin-yang thing going on. Mm. And men and women are kind of oscillations of that yin-yang. That's the way I see it. But there's always room for uh, exploration. There's always room for change. And the you know definitely not trying to be reductive when it comes to masculinity and femininity. And I'm definitely not trying to limit people's capacity for empowerment when it comes to masculinity and femininity. I just think it's something that's kind of important to acknowledge rather than just throw out because it's convenient, let's say. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see what you're saying. And uh, during doing my research for the show, I was listening to, you know, various episodes of your podcast, and you're yeah. the one on uh, the Golden Shadow, which you host yeah. with your friend Alyssa, mm. uh, on the on masculinity and the masculine and the feminine. Yeah, Ooh, that was so great. And then you you went into exactly what you're talking about here about how the the female the feminine is so so mm. so integral like she is the one who gives birth and then the men right they're kind of like expendable you know they could go off to war you know yep. they, they could have like 90 percent of your men die but you got a couple back who can impregnate all the females and that's what we need and talk about you know the men uh you know save the women and children first you know it's just like we're we're just the tools you know to yeah. go out hunt build and do that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um and like what i wanted to talk about and 
your work at the Stoa, it deals specifically on a, a metamodern masculinity. Now, could you go yeah. on what you what you mean by uh, or what could be a metamodern masculinity? Yeah, I mean the uh, the event that I wanted to do at the Stoa originally was just a men's group because I could uh, I could sense there was sort of a hunger for discussing uh, biological differences between men and women or discussing. Uh, you know, the conversation around uh, feminism and, and Me Too, you could you could sense that there was that, that was already happening, like in the chats at events that weren't associated with masculinity or femininity at all. Yeah. So I pitched it to Peter. And uh, one way that I knew like I could, uh, you know, make Peter get like a meta boner is just like, <laughs> throw in some word like how about meta modern masculinity oh no and, how dare and, you and he fell for it he <laughs> fell for it and he uh allowed me to facilitate my own event because of that um anyways no um meta modern uh is i mean it's a word being thrown around a lot now especially at the stoa and i, I think it's at a stage where we kind, we kind of don't even know what meta modern really mm, refers to yeah. yet but it's kind of like an interesting thing to explore um people have different opinions on what meta modernism is I don't want to claim that I'm like from like a metamodern school or anything like that. It's definitely not true. But um, there is this notion that there is sort of the status quo, let's say, and modernism is sort of the status quo. There's like mm -hmm. sort of a, a certain way that we think about truth. There's a certain way that we think about um, objective reality. There's a certain way that we think about men and women as being something that like, this is already established what men and women are. Uh, and then there's something that kind of uh, reacts to that status quo that in postmodernism is sort of reactionary in the sense that it uh, it responds to modernism and it critiques it and it says, maybe we don't know what's true. Maybe we don't know what's real. Maybe we should think uh, about other options. Maybe we should look at other sources to try and make sense of what's happening here. And so metamodern is um, a response to postmodernism, let's say, which reacts too strongly. And it just says all of modernism is bullshit yeah. throw it out doesn't work uh which you know it's not it's not the right approach so metamodernism is oscillating between these forces of the status quo the thing that kind of maintains structure and the thing that tears down the structure uh because if you have both of those in balance what you're doing is growing like the individual grows mm. by maintaining the structure but allowing itself to adapt allowing itself to shed what doesn't belong and then rebuild and then shed what doesn't belong and rebuild and a healthy society needs to have that right so metamodern is this idea of mediating between these forces of modernism postmodernism or mediating between forces of the status quo the structure the order and the sort of chaos disorder taking apart in order to be rebuilt so it's basically just like wisdom that's what i would say metamodernism is and metamodern masculinity would be uh, not the modern man, not the postmodern philosopher, artist, uh, cynical man, but the the wise man who understands the need for both. Mm. Yeah. So like the way I kind of see it, like the integration is like having all the tools in your toolkit and kind of like using him uh, uh, wisely, you know, so with sagacity. And uh, Christian in the chat, hello, Christian, thank you for joining us. Uh, he points out that it's, he says, it's amazing to see more men doing collective presencing and somatic practices. And I think this is kind of has to do with a, a metamodern uh, masculinity as well. I just did my first collective presencing with Rhea Beck uh, last mm -hmm. week. Yeah. And I, from, uh, from by recommendation from my friend Tia, who I did my second episode with. And it, it was amazing. And like, here's the thing, like, um, and then uh, 
uh, Nora Bateson and Rhea Beck and a whole bunch of women were at the store on Friday talk about how, you know, men, you know, the 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 sense make space is so masculine. It's just very, yeah. it's still it's locking like a modernist kind of masculine type of vibe. And they're all mm-hmm. stuck in their head. And they're like, you know what? They got to stop talking it. We can stop living in your head and they got to move into your bodies yeah. and to be embodied. So, yeah, I mean, this this whole thing, like this, this whole emergent masculinity is uh, is basically what is going on. And actually is what I see between you and I, because I mean, okay, so I wonder, like, I don't know your thoughts on this, right? Because when I first, okay, so, okay, so first impression of you, right? When I was like, like, when, like when you first started doing your stoic session, you're like, oh, you're the meta modern masculine masculinity guy, right? But in again, in the old, maybe traditional, uh, uh, you know, understanding of what a masculine who would be talking about masculinity, you kind of like you see all these like these men's rights activists and everything. They're all like these gruff tacho macho dudes. They're like f you, it's like f you know, uh, you know the, the the SJWs and all that, right? But the you sure. meta modern is just like you're like this like reserved guy with like long again beautiful locks <laughs> and, and it's just you. like it, it doesn't it doesn't come off as like what people traditionally see as masculine and again like but and also it's like the same thing with me it, and on the other sense like i i maybe in some sense embody some of those traditionally modern uh, uh like the traditional modern archetype of like you know like I like I'm aggressive. I'm brash. I'm in your face. I like I like you know weight lifting weights, and I'm like kind of like go go go. But I'm also like a, a vegan, and I also happen to be a, a celibate, and I almost mm. I'm also full of love. Mm. So this whole thing is kind of like I guess we're both kind of being meta modern. So I like mm. what do you think about that? Uh, I think that's you know, the Stoa is a good example of a place where there's a lot of masculine energy, but mm, yeah. uh, it's not the stereotypical masculine energy that you would, you know, you know, you, you might call like a sausage fest normally, or like, yeah. it's a bunch of dudes that are just like broing out and like, um, doing kind of shallow, superficial or like, uh, shadow masculine type activities where like maybe they're kind of like ragging on each other and testing each other and kind of establishing a hierarchy and um being competitive and maybe talking about their uh you know uh sexual conquests and stuff like that and that's like kind of what we normally think of when we think of men hanging out together maybe maybe not normally but that that is definitely a stereotype and um at the stoa you have all this masculine energy but it's certainly not that you know it's um it's the masculine energy of wisdom it's the masculine energy of like patience it's the masculine energy of um curiosity and trying to be someone who is more like a father as opposed to like uh the uh uh the young upstart um so there is a what i would say is there's an emergence of a new kind of masculinity maybe it's not new but it was cyclically we're returning to a place where there Mm -hmm. i think are are men who are climbing back out of sort of the background and uh exploring all these virtuous masculine um archetypes that we need so badly in our world and um like i said like the father the virtuous father is um, something you really need 
for any group to work. The virtuous father is something you really need for any tribe, any society to work. And uh, we need men to become virtuous fathers. And we need, we need men who are, um, they're patient and they're protective and they provide structure and they uh, can lead and they can guide people, but they're not tyrannical and they're not yeah. um, playing these zero sum games, but they are trying to bring everyone around them into personhood raise people up like the father raises his child up mm. and he, he he makes him grow strong and he provides that important um guidance the boundaries the, the the little push that says like come on son you can do it um that's that's what we need men to become and uh that failure of men to become that is is really um quite dangerous i would say because then you just get shadow men mm. and shadow men are just trolls and they just want to destroy things because they're angry um, and I think that energy um, at the at the Stoa, for instance, is one of men trying to become virtuous fathers, or virtuous shamans. You might say that's another way to think of it. Um, and part of that involves exploring the masculine body, uh, getting out of your head, like you're saying. Yeah. I mean, men really spend way too much time in their head nowadays. Um, men have difficulty being embodied without sort of being like uh in some competitive aggressive situation mm -hmm. like men you can see men be embodied if you put them like on a, on a soccer field <laughs> yeah. like they know what to do or you can see them being embodied when they get drunk and start fighting it's like they know how to be embodied but they don't know how, but they really don't know how to to sit and be embodied or just to be present with others and be embodied that's more of a female thing mm, yeah. or more of a feminine thing i should say so the uh, collective presencing with men is something that i think is being explored and it's really important uh, do you know how to understand your physicality as a man without having to like punch things, you know? And that's, that's what we're exploring. I think that, that that's so important. Yeah. I mean, um, so much. There. I mean, like this reminds me of like, yeah, I mean, like I know you're deep into Jung's work and like uh, it, at sense make a one, one this summer by recommendation of Robert, the first guest, Robin on uh, no Wake nomads. He recommended uh, Robert Moore's uh, King Warrior, Magician Lover. And like whew, that changed my life. When you talk about like the mature masculine archetype, you know, like, and again, it's like we talk about the father being like a father, not being like, you know, the you know, not, not necessarily playing like the hero or being like, uh, I forget the other archetypes, but, you know, the, the, the shadow archetypes. Yeah. For each, for each of the, uh, you know, King Warrior, Magician Lover, it just, you know, being masculine and stepping into your fullness. And this embodiment thing, uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting because I know right now we're talking about like you know, meta modern, a meta modern masculinity and Jung and we, I'd love to get into that with you, but I think I want to go back to the origin story of Arn Rogerson, because we're going to talk about embodiment. As I mentioned in your intro, you were kind of like a, you know, a high school track and field kind of demigod. And so I'm, I'm assuming that you do have some, you know, knowledge of embodiment in that realm. So I just wanted to go back to, you know, where you were before all this happened. And because I read in my research, at one point, you're going to be a physical therapist. Talk about embodiment. Mm -hmm. My brother is a physical therapist, you know, so mm -hmm. I know that kind of that kind of realm. So yeah. I'm just wondering, like, 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 what social group? were you a part of in high school and how did that affect your trajectory in life? This is what I'm curious about. 
No, this is this is good because uh, I, I think my my story is actually a, a fairly interesting one, um, and there's a lot about the pursuits I've had in my life that like no one at the Stowa really knows about because why would they? Like we don't get we don't get very for. personal. Yeah, we yeah. don't get very personal at the Stowa though, right? We don't we really don't talk too much about people's personal struggles or problems or their pasts and maybe that's a good thing maybe not i don't know um but um yeah my experience as a young person has um has been one of being uh, a satellite that's sort of like a metaphor that i've used for a long time now um and that's what a lot of my friends have kind of like uh called me as sort of like a joke i mean like a burning man like i had like a like burner name not, not that's name. i love that yeah but uh sometimes people like choose nicknames at burning man like one year my my burn name was satellite because that's been my experience as a young person which is um someone who has never fit in and never felt comfortable mm. in a group but been very social and been a member of a lot of groups so oh, I see. uh in high school um when i really started to kind of like socially blossom as i guess you could say um, and even before that, there's interesting stories. I mean, like m- middle school was like really terrible for me. Like I, mm. it was like awful and I felt like such a loser and I had really low self-esteem. Uh, but high school, I started to blossom and, um, I had, uh, friends who were kind of like the stoner slacker types and I was like part of that crew, but I was also friends with, uh, the cross country and track people because I was an athlete. And so there was, a, they were a little more, um, you know, prestigious, ambitious and had their shit together. Um, and I was also had like a crew of like really smart academic Asians that like <laughs> I hung out with all the time. And, uh, cool. I would just sort of like go from group to group. And just oh, sort of so like... that's why we get along. Okay. Now I get it. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, that's how I was. I didn't really have a click. I just had many clicks and, um, yeah, I mean, cross country, uh, was something that really changed my life in a really positive way. Um, and I went from feeling really terrible about myself and feeling really shy and weird. And I had a weird relationship with my voice. Uh, I didn't talk very much. And, Mm. um, I ended up being really talented in cross country and I ended up going just like above and beyond what was sort of expected of me kind of beyond what the coaches were really asking from us. And I just became kind of obsessive in some ways, but I, I became, you know, uh, uh, league champ, as you said, um, and uh, went on to run in college on scholarship. Uh, you know, you, Davis, right? Right, right. Yep. And uh, so there's a huge uh, sort of um, metamorphosis that happened as a product of cross country running. And um, I've always been very physical and very coordinated. Like I'm definitely someone who like uses my body and I feel very confident and good about my body. Mm. I'm also like a really serious musician and that's a whole other story. Um, but, uh, uh, there's all this sort of embodiment of like skill and, um, sort of feeling oneself and knowing how to use one's body. That's very prominent for me. And that's kind of faded over time as something that I'm really actively doing because that's as you age, it's just kind of what happens. And especially because of the pandemic, I've really, this is the worst shape I've ever been in, definitely. But uh, 
still in pretty good shape. But yeah, that's been my experience. It's sort of like a, a more traditional masculine uh, embodiment, like not not super traditional. It's like it's not like I was a football player or uh, a bodybuilder or something like that, whatever. But um, but uh, my experience with getting to know my unconscious, my experience of getting to know my body has been one of being like star athlete and uh, musician. Um, and uh, now I've moved on to a sort of meta realm, I would say, of kind of yeah. bringing all those things together and combining them into sort of um, this thing, whatever this is that is happening on the internet, whatever you and I are doing now, whatever the stoa is, whatever my series on YouTube is going to be. It's all sort of combining all these things together into some sort of uh, philosophy that I think could help people. And that's that's where I'm at now. I mean, like, and like it, that's the thing that is such a shift and like like i really want to know because again like i asked you like what you may be interested in talk about and you know you know just stuff like you know the meaning of life and uh, you know you explore stuff like i remember and uh you talked about your origin story for the golden shadow podcast right mm. and said you're you're on a long hike uh with your friend Alyssa. you know yeah. talk about the usual stuff like synchronicity supernatural god and nature reality and then, you know, um, I believe what I read, you were getting a, a, um, a bachelor's of science in uh, what was it, exercise biology. And yeah. so how did that, like, how did that trajectory, how did it morph? How did it like get into where it is right now? Um, you know, <laughs> this ties into, again, this sort of like satellite outcast archetype for me um, is that I always hated school um i would have been better off if i'd been unschooled if you're familiar with yeah. like that term of sort yeah. of some sort of alternative learning trajectory because again the physicality is a huge part of that like i've always been someone who really learned by doing things and i mm. uh, did it hands-on learning has always been a thing for me and um i was always a troublemaker and i always had problems with my teachers i always had a, a problem with authority um the kind of uh the bullshit meter is really strong in me where I kind of feel like whenever I read something that seems like bullshit happening, I really feel really repelled by it. Mm. And uh, I, I want to like stay away from it, but it just kind of turned out that like everything I experienced as far as like structured school and uh, working and jobs and stuff like that, it's like, it all just felt like such bullshit to me. And that's, that's been something that I've uh, struggled with my entire life as you know, kind of like we were talking about in the meeting yesterday is sort of this like rejection of game A. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you might right. say is like, I've always, it's, it, it, it was never even a question. Even as a young person, there was this huge rejection of game A of just kind of like, this is all bullshit and I don't like it. I don't know what to do with it. Um, but I was really smart and really talented. So mm -hmm. I just sort of like went through school and just like got straight A's and kind of, you know, did my athlete thing and did my, like my art thing and went to college and ran cross country and, uh, was just on path to essentially like go to med school. Uh, oh, wow. and then, med school. Wow. Yeah. It's like taking all the hard classes, you know, taking like the hard, like organic chemistry and human anatomy and stuff. And uh, yeah, just college just sort of ended. And I just like, didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I had no interest in going to med school. I had no interest in like really becoming a physical therapist. That's something that I would tell people like, yeah, I guess <laughs> I might, I might become a physical therapist eventually because yeah, like, yeah. because you don't know what else to tell people yeah, you don't know what yeah, to say they ask you what what's your path and it's like well my path is something that sounds like 
it makes no sense or sounds crazy uh, or I can't explain it. So yeah, maybe PT, maybe physical therapy, mm. but um, I honestly just never felt serious about it and I never followed through with it. And uh, I volunteered in a hospital for a while doing physical therapy, like mm. assisting with that. And I just hated it. And I just hated the feel of being in the hospital and everything just sort of felt kind of broken to me. Like this hospital doesn't work very well. Uh, people are so unhealthy. Why are all these people here getting physical therapy? Why can't they just take care of themselves? And like, anyways, it's an attitude problem that I've always had. Uh, it's, it's overzealous. It's a, uh, it's a rejection of um, what feels sort of uh, inauthentic. And this demand for authenticity is like, it's virtuous, but it also just like destroys your life because it's like what are you going to do if you can't do anything know, right? that remotely feels inauthentic it's like everything has some aspect of inauthenticity to yeah. it you have to accept that and i'm just like i don't accept it it's like well mm. you're just gonna <laughs> you're just never gonna do anything then and so anyways so that's why i've been a bartender for a very long time ah. and uh i was a bartender until the pandemic hit and then uh yeah that's know, not a great uh pastime right <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and uh, that was over. It's like, you know, what do I do now? And it's like, well, mm. we'll just do whatever, do whatever you feel like you should do. And wow, that, that's, that's it. what this is. That's it. Yeah, so. I mean, uh, I, I want to build on that, but literally, uh, I have to upgrade my Zoom right now, or the meeting's gonna end. So please oh, bear shit. with me while I uh, get out my credit card. You're gonna upgrade it live. <laughs> you know what's funny? If I keep this in the episode. I might actually do it. Yeah, that. you should. You should like like time. Time's running out, Albert. Like you have oh six God. minutes. How dare you? you? You have to. You have to upgrade before time runs out. <laughs> this this is the merits of live streaming or recording. Feel free to chat. Uh, let's see. Christian said, "The divine feminine." Um, yeah, like this how, could be part of the part of the recording. Yeah, if you want. Yeah. To yeah. How how have I explored the divine feminine and which energy had to be worked on more? Um, I mean, they said actually what feels more alive for me is the potential for community to us. Um, yeah, so I'll address both. Um, the divine feminine. Um, it's interesting because there's, there's sort of like this yin yang thing going on in people. And there's also sort of a masculine and feminine thing going on in people. And they're not necessarily the same thing. Uh, they're related, but I feel like often what we're calling sort of like the feminine side of men is actually sort of like more of a yin function. And what we're calling the masculine side of women is kind of more of a yang function. Um, and what does that mean? It means like the, the yin is sort of like receptive, the yang is sort of active. And so if we think of like the receptive man, he's one who is, um, oh, you did it, Albert. Yes, you did it, upgraded. Go ahead, continue. I wanna hear this amazing um, answer. So, uh, masculine yin is something that i think has been really uh absent in our culture for a very long time and masculine yin is like what does it mean to be what does it mean to be masculine and virtuous and strong but to be yin it means to be patient it means to be uh reserved it means to kind of sit in the background and wait and and know what needs to uh happen when it happens and being okay not being in charge uh being okay just sort of letting things happen and just going with the flow in some in some regards letting things come to you and we think of these things like well that's not masculine and the thing is like it is masculine 
Um, it's just not the kind of masculinity that's really been um, encouraged, or let's say it's not the kind of masculinity that's sort of taken off and built civilization in some sense. So it's kind of unexpressed, mm. but uh, the masculine yin or kind of like the, the feminine, let's say is something that's always been very natural to me as a child. And I was very much a sort of yin child. Like it was very quiet, patient, uh, observing very much. I wasn't just trying out, uh, I wasn't going out and trying to just like knock skulls together and like, you know, break bones and sort of just like be that crazy, like young boy. I was like very calm as a child and people would comment on that. Mm. Like I'd go to the dentist as like a five-year-old and the dentist would be like, wow, Arn was such a good patient. He just sat through the whole thing and didn't complain or anything. He's like, he's just like so calm. Um, but that side of me kind of disappeared in middle school because I struggled in middle school in a lot of ways and I felt weak and I felt like I wasn't sure what was happening to me and I couldn't make sense of my life. And so this sort of yang side of me kind of had to take over and the truth is like, it, maybe it, it didn't have to take over, but to me, it felt like it did. And so mm, this yeah. more like aggressive, powerful, uh, in charge man kind of took over and banished the, the feminine and yin sort of away. And so I became this sort of like overcompensating, aggressive, uh, intense, uh, almost tyrannical masculine mm. In order to become strong, in order to like take charge of my life, in order to kind of get what I wanted and kind of like pursue the girls. Um, but it went too far. And so in the last five years, a big part of my experience has been trying to rediscover the masculine yin, which is like how to be less controlling, how to be less aggressive, how to be less, uh, you know, demanding of structure or demanding that things go a certain way or trying to. <clears throat> punch all your problems to solve them as opposed to um, caressing your problems or uh, letting them unravel themselves and being patient. That's something that I've had to work on a lot. So um, that's been kind of my experience over time is having to learn how to channel the feminine energy or let it come back to me. And there's, there's somewhere inside me that's there's like this banished child there's like this like little boy yeah, yeah. Um, that I can't find anymore that is like everything is so business all the time now that like the little boy who is like loving and sort of uh, shy and, and fun and sort of receptive, um, he's like hidden somewhere. He's been repressed. And so that's been a lot of my uh, shadow work, you might say, is trying to recover the little boy who I would say is sort of like the feminine boy or the, um, the yin boy yeah i mean that i totally resonate with that and it's it's so funny because not only do i see so many parallels with your story individually i see in the the greater collective society it's just like you know it's like when i like i was like as much as like i come off as super brash and all this stuff like a lot of it i don't know it's funny because it's just like like you like like i was bullied I, like i'm not saying but like my personal story i was bullied horribly like i was i was picked on i didn't say anything like people i would just be sitting in class people would be like throwing spitballs into my hair and i would just sit there and i would just take it and then finally like and after a while i just like I, i'm not gonna take this anymore and i just had i had to activate that 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 yang and i would, like 
and finally I would be like, no, like they would mess with me and I'll just start like, so like, just like throwing punches and, and like, and I, I like, I start being super aggressive. You know, this is why I got into like weightlifting and all that. And like, mm. it got to, it got to a point where uh, I actually was locked up for three years as a teenager because of a repeated aggravated assaults on police officers. Now talk about activating your yang. Wow. Right. So this is like this. when I like, when you, when you see, like, I know I have flashes of like this shadow. Right. And like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very afraid of it coming out. Cause it's, I don't want people to see it, but it's a, there's a very dark shadow there that goes beyond just, you know, being, being picked on and kind of fight back. And again, we, I, we see this in, in society where it's like, you know, like we talk about like game B and how we can't get out of game a right now because of the game theoretic, you know, uh, you know, dynamics. It's just like it, the structure is built. We're like these dominating figures, right? It's like, they, they are trying to dominate you because they don't want to be dominated themselves. And it's just the Yang. It just, it, it just builds on itself. And what we're trying to do societally. And uh, this goes back to the meta modern masculinity is to, okay, we don't have to do this anymore because we're just, we're destroying ourselves and we can, uh, you know, go back to that yin, that softer, the softer side of ourselves, whether that's, you call it the meta modern masculinity, or you could call it tapping into the feminine, going back to the inner child. You know, we were talking about uh, uh, last night uh, in the, uh, in the session with everyone at the store, we were talking about how, you know, how we could be a child again, how we could go back to being feeling awe and wonder and not having to, you know, collapse, uh, you know, uh, from a, a wave to a particle, we could still, you know, be in this constantly emergent state. Yeah. What I wanted to go to next, right? So, hmm. yeah. I mean, unless you had to say something there. No, I mean, I'm just. Oh, uh, okay. You just you just said some things that make me so curious, but uh, we'll, we'll save that for my show. I oh, think. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Take those. All right. Cool. Yeah. So, so what I want to talk to you now. It's just okay. So, you were talking about. Oh, yeah. So we were talking about this before we almost ran out of time because my credit card is um, again, uh, when you talk about how you're a rebel and how you hated school again, in high school, I had like a C minus average. In fact, I wouldn't have graduated. If again, I was locked up. I only reason I graduated because while I was locked up, all I had to do was sit in class, you know, write a couple things. And then, Oh, here you could get a diploma. I was like, okay, that's the only reason why I graduated. Otherwise I would not have graduated. I hated school. Part of the reason why I hated school is because my fifth grade teacher basically like he was like, okay, like he was like a really insecure, like retired uh, professional baseball player who wound up being mm. a school teacher. Mm. And he just picked that. He just picked on me. Like he just massacred me like, like, like psychically because, you know, he was like, you know, he, you know, he was like projecting and he was like, because you know, I was a smart kid who always raised my hand. So he just destroyed my love for learning. Yeah. I was terrible in school. I got locked up in all that stuff. And then I went on this journey where, you know, I hated school. I didn't, I couldn't fit into the system. I, and never mind, even if that wouldn't happen, I was always a rebel. So I went on this journey. I was actually in 2019, I almost opened up my own vegan donut shop because I was just like, I really like donuts. I'm a vegan. There's not enough vegan donuts. I'm going to open a vegan donut shop. So I started working at the number one bake, like the number one French bakery in the area. Then I, I moved to the number one donut shop in the area and i was like i had no idea what i was doing and this is what i was doing it's like you're being a bartender kind of just like i don't want to do this but like and even me like 
I was doing the best I could was opening up a vegan donut shop. But I was like, dude, I'm like, that doesn't fit either. I am so glad that fell through because the landlord was like, okay. Landlord was like, uh, you know what? I don't want to, I don't feel like doing this. Okay. And I'm like, thank God that happened. Cause now I'm here. So I want to know, like, so, okay. You're, you're like, you know what? This game, a stuff. I can't stand this stuff. I'm doing this bartending stuff. While I'm just, you know, just, just trying to, I guess, figure things out and you're going into, you know, of course, and you had like this backlog of Jung and all this stuff. Right. And you're, you're deeply, you're deep into all this stuff already. So how exactly did you find the Stoa and what, and what exactly uh, were like, what was the attractor to the Stoa from what that you were studying? So, uh, I feel like I was already on this trajectory for a while. It's kind of building towards this. There's there's certainly a time in 2016 where I sort of decided that I wanted to shift from essentially music. I was like recording uh, a lot of music and I was really passionate about that. Um, I also wanted to build community. I also like became more interested in sort of the potential to build community and what that meant around 2015 2016 and so there was a lot of shifting towards um i think just sort of like a a place of wisdom more away from sort of like more youthful obsession and more towards just a place of wisdom um of trying to again kind of combine things into some sort of like a meta and meta entity of bringing bringing all the all the things i'm doing together and um um Anyway, so I was already on that trajectory. I was already writing a lot. I was I was interested in writing a book. Um, but um, in 2017, someone uh, who was familiar with my ideas and my philosophy and, and the work I was doing, uh, he was like, you know, I heard this guy on the Joe Rogan podcast, and like he, he sounds just like you are, and like he has the same ideas. He sounds mm-hmm. like everything you're saying. Like it seems like you would agree with him. And I'm like, who's this? He's like, oh, his name's Jordan Peterson. Ah, and I was like. Yeah. I've never heard of him. And he's like, well, take a listen. And I'm like, okay. And so I listened to the Rogan podcast and my friend was right. It was like, oh my God, like, yeah, this guy, this is me. That's how I feel. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that way when they hear Peterson, honestly. It's yeah. just kind of like, yes, he's saying everything that I think, everything that I feel and believe. He's way more articulate than I am and he knows how to express it better. But like, absolutely, I agree with everything he's saying. Um, and it was kind of this eye opening thing because I was like, is this guy popular? It's like, yes, he's becoming very popular. Yeah. It's like, so there's all these people who are interested in these ideas and all these people who want to talk about him. And it's like, yes, it's like, that's interesting. Uh, and so it was very encouraging. It was kind of a boost of like, huh, there's a whole world emerging um, that maybe already was emerging and maybe it just wasn't clear to me, but Peterson definitely demonstrated that, that like there is something happening on the internet where there's a bunch of people who are um, discovering that there's all this high quality information that's free and they're discovering each other. And it's sort of like this kind of enlightenment that I feel like it's sort of happening on the internet. Yeah. It sounds a little extreme because it sounds as if people are like getting actually enlightened, but just like the interest, the interest is there. The sort of sense-making is something that people are really interested in. Um, and that was kind of like, just, you know, kind of like a light bulb. So I pursued that more uh, I tried to kind of get my community of like friends sort of like, do you guys want to talk about this stuff? Or are you guys interested in sort of like meeting up and figuring out some, some of these ideas? Um, and then it was like, no, they're not interested. <laughs> yeah. 
Same here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, uh, who is interested? And so I found a meetup group. Um, and it was actually in, in uh, the same town as me. It was actually a few blocks away, which is very strange. Uh, and then through that meetup group, everyone in the meetup group was exploring various things. Someone brought up Verbeke. Uh, and then I checked out Verbeke and I was like, wow, this is like, this is really great too. I'm like, yeah. I'm really into this. Uh, and then someone mentioned at the meetup group that um, Verbeke was going to do this event. And it was like a Zoom event. And I was like, okay, like, that's interesting. Uh, and I went to it, it was at the Stoa. And again, it was like, okay, there's, there's more, like there's more to this world and there's more people here. And these people are like me and these people want to talk about these things. And there is an interest in building community that is absent from my, uh, you know, real life. Um, and so the Stoa immediately to me was just like, there's so much potential here and this is so interesting and like i don't know what this phenomenon is uh but it's new i think this is like a new thing that's never existed before mm -hmm. and it could be something increasingly big increasingly important not necessarily like you know like a revolution like take over the world but like the idea of like people need this and they're going to be searching for it increasingly as time goes on and i feel like this is going to become more important and it also kind of seems like an alternative for the failing educational systems yes, that yes. I felt like I was sort of dragged through and hated, which is like education is fucked up. It doesn't work. And it made me feel terrible about myself in all these ways. And I think something like this is going to replace those things eventually. Let's see if it does. And so that's kind of where we're at right now with uh, my interpretation of the STOA. Mm, yeah. And um, my uh, trajectory in the stoa people who uh, uh listen to these episodes is basically i was into daniel schmachtenberger's work and again daniel schmachtenberger I, I like i am shocked at like the schmachtenberger schmachtenberger hunger that happened during covid because like literally like seven out of ten people who i talked to they're like oh i found the stoa because of schmachtenberger and it's just crazy again like i stated before it's just like this thing hit, I had some time to reflect and I was like, you know what? For some reason, I have a hankering for some Daniel Schmachtenberger podcast. And I was like, where did the hell did that come from? Right. And then yeah. I, I, yeah. And then like, I started looking at stuff. I found the rebel wisdom podcast, then the YouTube channel. And then I see, Oh, uh, Peter Lindbergh and Daniel Schmachtenberger at the store. I was like, what the hell is the store? I go to the store and then I start seeing people like, wait a minute. These aren't like, like stuffy old middle-aged people who are at the store. They're people like me. They're like, oh my God. Like, like I saw like, 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 like Anjan, like <laughs> lovable Anjan, right? Like I yeah. remember like uh, doing, and I just seeing Anjan just like asking a question. It's like, hey, what's this? Oh, I don't understand. Could you explain that again? I don't think I understand. Mm -hmm. Could you explain that again? I was just like, yeah. oh, wow. Like I could just go in there and just kind of like be with just like regular curious people. I mean, really smart people, like are people who think outside the box, but mm -hmm. not necessarily like the, the super, you know, academic, you know, super, you know, intellectual types, just like real people who want to learn about this stuff. And that's what got me into uh, the STOA. And what I want to know is what do you think this is? And like, this goes back to uh, the origin of the golden shadow, we were talking, these topics you were talking about, synchronicity, supernatural, the nature of reality. It's just like, what, what, what is this exactly? Like, and it, this goes into Peter talking about 
the daemon and it, in his most recent Substack articles, he's literally talking about being demonically possessed and having like some sort of psychic break. <laughs> and I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring myself into it. What I'm doing with Noetic Nomads, I honestly feel like I've been activated. What I do every day, I do I I, I just what I do like five times a day, and I also do meditation, breathing exercises. I kind of just put my hands to my body, to my heart, and to my gut. And then I breathe in and I say, I accept. And I just say like, I'm your vessel flow through me. What needs to be done? And then I've been active. And then like around like September, I just like, Oh, I got it. And I've been flying. This thing has been going on for two weeks. And I'm like, <laughs> just like, I'm just flying. Like I'm just going. And there's so, like, there's something here. Like, I, so what I want to know is, there's something, I mean, COVID has triggered a lot in people. It's triggered a lot everywhere. And we don't, we don't even know. We don't even know what's bubbling right now. Like, you yeah. know, just, there's things bubbling around everywhere that we're not, we're unaware of. What I want to know is what exactly did this moment trigger? Like what caused, what are the forces that, that, that what are the, all the forces that, 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 that are meeting at this fulcrum? And then what is this thing that's being unleashed? Is it uh, just, is it unconscious? Is it just something, is it primordial? Is it something greater than what we think of as natural? Yeah, there is sort of a convergence happening where there's a lot of forces that are sort of colliding right now. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so complex that it's really hard to know like what is actually going on right now in the world what's happening to us like are we on a trajectory of destruction kind of feels like that are we on a trajectory of utopia yeah it kind of feels like that it's like can it be both it's like <laughs> i don't know um but the uh the pandemic i mean it's a tragedy in so many ways but yeah, it's yeah. also um an opportunity and uh, there's been a serious demonstration, at least because of the pandemic, of the way the world could be, perhaps, the way the world could shift and the way that people could come together if, uh, if they actually wanted to. It's like if, if people really wanted to come together and really wanted to sort of figure out what to do and how to solve these problems, it's like they could actually do it. And you can see that with what the pandemic has done to people. It's like, I mean, you know, the governments have dropped the ball in all these ways. And a lot of people are just, you know, behaving in a way that's like really not cool and not, not constructive, not helpful. But at, at the same time, it's like everyone is united and linked up in this experience and they're getting on the internet and they're linking up with each other. Yep. And you can just sort of see, it's like everyone could be networked. They really could. And if somehow people really had the will to fix the problems in the world, they could do it. That's like, yes. it's like, it's clear that it could happen. Uh, so why is it not happening? And, um, you know, people have all kinds of answers, but to me, the most foundational answer is that people don't know how to communicate. Mm, like, okay. That's really at the foundation of all mm. this is it's like, I don't think it's people that are evil. I really don't think it's just like, uh, you know, the, the lords of darkness, just like controlling the world and like brainwashing. It's like, no, like at, at, at the core, it's just basic human psychology. People don't know how to talk to each other. Mm. That's, what, that's what, that's really at the foundation. It's like, and if you can solve that, 
you can actually solve all the other problems. So if you want to solve global warming, there's all these ideas of like, well, just like, just go solve global warming. Like, just go solve it. It's like, it's not going to happen <laughs> exactly. unless people know how to talk to each other. Mm. That needs to happen first. How do people learn how to talk to each other? If people learn how to talk, they can cooperate. Then we can solve things, no problem. But people don't know how to talk to each yeah. other and it's getting worse. I people know. like my own two parents, I would say in many ways in the last few years, it's like they're having more and more trouble talking to each other. It's like, why is that happening? It's wow. like, they're becoming polarized from each other mm. because of strange things happening in the world, strange politics, mm. strange things they're reading. They have separate feeds and they're reading different things in their feeds. And it's wow, kind of like- there's this like divide that's happening between people and it's like this is what's wrong with the world like it's not the only thing that's wrong with the world but like at, at its at its foundation i would say what's wrong is people are not talking and they don't know how so the phenomenon i think that we're experiencing with getting on zoom and talking like you and i are right now yeah. i think the stoa um mm. that's one part of this is like it's a lot of people who recognize this problem they recognize like this really is kind of like at the core it's like people don't know how to talk they don't. And it's like, what can we do about that? And it's like, well, let's, oh. let's, let's start strategizing. Let's figure it out. Let's practice. We can practice on each other. How do we talk to each other? And that's a force that I think is going to be really important if we're going to save the world in some way is this, is mm. the sort of um, <clears throat> the contagious feeling of communication. If you start talking to people, it feels amazing. And it's, you sort of like want to share it. And it's like, who else can I communicate with? Yeah. You, let's communicate and it can spread. And that's like, that's yeah. going to be really important. And I think that's more important than a lot of other more like obvious things that need to happen. Like, you know, like just like solar power. It's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, great. But like, where's the political will for that? Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, racism, like that, this is something that's like really salient, like racism, you gotta solve racism. It's like, you can't do that unless you learn how to talk to people and we're not talking. So mm. that's, that's the phenomenon that I see is that's part, it's like, it's a sense-making phenomenon. People wanna make sense and they wanna learn how to communicate. That's part of it. There's also just all the same, universal things that that are happening here which is like people are craving community they always crave community people are people are tribal they want a tribe tribalism can be uh, you know pernicious i think it can also be virtuous yes, and i definitely. think that yeah. we crave it and so the the tribal energy is happening here people are, are learning about each other they're becoming kind of more intimate in some ways like in an intellectual way in an mm -hmm. emotional way maybe not in a physical way certainly but um that's also something that's happening here is people are rediscovering the tribe and the power of it and rediscovering education and the power of it. And they're um, all these things are kind of linking up to return us to a place that I would say we feel like we're meant to be, which is in communion with each other, mm. um, teaming up to solve problems, um, lifting each other up, like just bringing each other into personhood. Mm, yeah. um, all those things are so powerful and they're kind of all happening at once. And uh, also just hope. It's like, there's a lot of hope in yeah. discovering something like the Stoa and talking to someone like you. And um, you know, you feel that hope of like, maybe we can solve things. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe there is exactly. hope. Maybe there is that light at the end of the tunnel that we can get to. Mm. And people are really lacking that all over the place. Mm. There's a lot of feelings of no hope. There's a lot of feelings of just doom. It's like, we're, we're done for. Um, and hope can be a really powerful thing that 
uh, it's cliche to throw out there, but like, uh, if you can give people hope, like you can change the world. And I think that there's a lot of hope in this realm. Like I feel that like Mm. listening to Peterson, I don't want to sound too much like a Peterson fanboy because I don't think I am, but Peterson gave me hope. I'm just kind of like, Oh my God, like this, this is still a real thing. Like this is still something that's, that exists. The world isn't totally bullshit. It feels that way, but it really isn't. There is something that's real and uh, I want to go find it. So Mm. wow that is amazing Aaron. uh thank you so much and it's just like i i don't want to come off like 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 oh i'm, I'm some cocky genius who saw it all but it's like everything you just said we talk about community communication you know giving people hope getting people together so they can actually solve problems and i'm like yeah i feel like that's what i'm doing with noetic nomads like that's why i did it. like for speaking like hope and Hope is very corny nowadays. Everyone, you know, it's so cool to be cynical, right? If you look at the logo of Noetic Nomads, right, is if you see the the North Star, right, the bright North Star right at the top, and it's just like, that's what, that's hope. That's like, there's something here. You go to the website, it's just like, Noetic Nomads is a community of dreamers and change makers, right? And just like, we're trying, we're, we're navigating and making sense of the unfolding meta crisis in order to co-create a more beautiful future future. So that's what I'm doing. And it's weird. Cause like, I, like how I was talking about, I was like, I felt it, it, it is just so funny. Like these forces, like they, they force me to go this way. And I sensed the need or, or it, I could even be like, we sensed the need. I just tapped into this collective intelligence, this, 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 this field of, of information or whatnot. And I was just like, Oh, this, is what needs to be done. And I went like, boom. And, um, again, like on like, <laughs> Aaron, I mean, uh, uh, you probably saw my little tirade against, uh, the Stowe's lack of women on discord maybe a few weeks back. Yeah. And, uh, that was bad. It was, re- I know it was really bad. That was, that was shadow coming mm-hmm. out, but it was coming from a pure place. I was like, yeah. where are the women? Why is Why are we stuck in our head all the time? And then Friday and last Friday, again, like I was talking about the Nor, uh, Nora Bateson, uh, Rhea Beck and all, and all the, the females came on and they literally repeated exactly what I was saying before. So I was like, I was tapping in and it's just like, even like the great Peter Lindbergh, you know, he was, he has his own uh, daemon as he calls it. But then mm-hmm. I got my own thing. I, I look at, I, I see it as the void. I, I, I like, uh, Aaron, I, I'm sure you like, you read a lot of my tweets sometimes where it seems like I'm just like channeling something. Like I just give like yeah. this pithy one line. And I'm just like, just channel. I'm just, I'm just going deep and I'm just channeling and it just comes up. I was like, Oh, this needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess my point here is just, I, there, there's something here and I sense it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sense it. Mm-hmm. Christian, you're here. <laughs> You sense it. You're not. You're here for a reason. I mean, and it's, this is happening, and we don't even know what's happening. And this emergent conversation that you and I are having, I was like, "Wow, look at all this amazing stuff coming out of it." I I don't know what to expect. I'm like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go," and that's what I had to say about that. Um, yeah, I mean, the point about women, I think, is uh, pretty spot on, and that's. Uh, I mean, it's something I've been saying since I first started going to the Stoa, it was like, yeah, yeah. Cause like part of why the Stoa 
seemed cool and powerful at first. I first started going was that there were women there. And that's not, it's not just simply just like, boing, like women, like, you know, it's (laughs) like, there's like, that can, that can easily happen in group situations. Like, oh, there's a girls here, like tight, like, but that's like, that's not, that's not really what I'm talking about. It's like um, this space. And, you know, the, the people who are paying attention to Peterson also, a lot of people who are like kind of um, really activated by this, like it's, it's, it's a very masculine energy. It's, it's mostly men, but you can feel the power when you get women in the space and you can mm. feel the perspective they have is really important. And that like, uh, even if we're not a physical in real life community, it's like the feminine energy is still really imperative. And if it goes away, this thing's not going to survive. Yeah, and yeah. so, I mean, like, uh, like Raven, for instance, mm. Raven's a fucking brilliant. Yeah. You know, and she she would speak at, at the stoa early on. And I was like really blown away. I was like, wow, like uh thank God it we like we have girls who like are smart and they're interested in this stuff and they want to talk about it. Um, you know, my friend Alyssa that I do the podcast with oh has been God, yeah. a, a huge influence on me and it's been really, really important to um giving me this other way of looking at things that uh i never would have otherwise it really balances me out and that's like probably why the podcast works is like we we provide a good balance for each other Hmm. um but the uh the female voice is one that um in many ways in in our society i mean it's true for the masculine voice as well but the, the, the the strong female voice in our society is one that is mostly pathological i would say ah it's like it's like mostly sort of being destructive and sort of driving things in a direction where it's like way 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 like that's hold on like you're going a little over the top and like that's not even true um where's like the virtuous female voice same with the masculine voice like the masculine voice in our our culture the same way it's just like this is pathological we need like the virtuous masculine voice but at at the stoa part of the reason the stoa works because there's a lot of women and that's really important and if it could be at least half women that would be great. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm if trying it was, to do. If it was more than half women, that would be great. Yes, like yes. that would that would be better, I think, than mostly men. Yes. Um, and so I always get really excited at the idea of getting more women on board. Um, and more races. Absolutely. I mean, the, mm, the yeah, diversity yeah. is really important. Um, it's true, this whole realm is is definitely very much like straight white men. Like yeah. absolutely. And that's unfortunate. Um not to say the straight my straight white men are like bad because of course they're not they're <laughs> yeah. really brilliant they're doing a lot of really really important good things but it is true is that uh, the women are missing and uh, the other races are missing and um, it's just exciting to get those in and it's like we need more voices it's it's stronger stronger with more voices from more perspectives more mm, eyes looking at different things. It's always much more powerful. That consilience of just having yes. all these different perspectives is really, really important. They all balance each other out. So, um, yeah, I don't think you're thinking about uh, needing more women at the Stoa. Sounded crazy at all. It was just mm. like I've been saying that too. Like, <laughs> except you weren't nearly as uh, caustic as I was. <laughs> no, and just straight I, uh, attacking Peter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my my approach is a little, little uh, more reserved than yours, I think, but. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it, it definitely works for you. Trust me. And uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, again, same thing with you. Uh, when I heard Raven speak, 
Oh my God. Talk about, yes. you know, me- mental boner. It's funny. The, the first, <laughs> the first Stoa session I'm on everyone, if you want to see, it's like a, uh, it's like a collector's edition, you know, like the first appearance of Spider-Man. If you want to see the first appearance on Albert on the Stoa, yeah. Yeah. go to uh, the uh, Samo Burya's live players. Uh, I believe it was back in June. It was one of those episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah like I go on Raven's like, Albert Kim, do you want to ask a question? I'm like, oh yeah, Samo, what you're saying is awesome. You gave me a mental boner. Like, <laughs> I just like going off. If you want to see that, that's my first appearance. And like, yeah, I right. love Raven. Yeah, yeah, uh, she's amazing. And you, t- mm. you brought up Alyssa. I swear to God, like on uh, Philosopher Queens on the first yeah. episode, right? I was there with Rachel and uh, and Raven, and then like they're just like, hmm, Alyssa, you're being quiet. Would you like to speak? Yeah, yeah Alyssa was like, yeah. I like that. And she's like, and I was like, oh my God. I was like, yeah. She is so good. And then Raven yeah. was like, oh my God, I love you, Alyssa. And then she was like the next guest. Like, I mean, Alyssa is amazing. Actually, real quick, how do you know Alyssa? I'm very curious. Uh, Alyssa and I went to high school together. Um, oh, I see. Yeah. So we've, we've known each other for, uh, I guess, I guess we've really been like friends for about, 12 years um but we've definitely gotten closer over time and uh we're living together right now and so that's partly why the podcast is able to happen is because we're kind of we're locked down in the same house um Mm. and so the podcast was something that we could do while being locked down but she like she has her own stuff that she's been working on for a while for the last like five years she sort of quit her um cushy job at a uh tech company essentially mm. to pursue sounds familiar to me um yeah yeah to pursue yeah. a path of like healing and ah, um cool. you know it's become more intellectual over time and she's gotten more into young over time but uh yeah she's pretty brilliant and she's really really shy and she does kind of do this thing where she's sort of like sitting like <laughs> in, in the background but then like yeah. then she'll like open her mouth to speak and then she'll like say all this like really brilliant it's stuff so, yeah and yeah we're just like yeah like what uh how did you do that where did that come from (laughs) um so yeah i'm hoping that she will get more of an audience uh over time and that we can be mutually supportive in our respective projects because i think they they do mirror each other pretty well as far as like a feminine and masculine kind of thing which Mm -hmm. is partly why the uh the duo i think is so powerful i mean yeah i mean you two definitely have something special there and um and like Christian again, yeah, he's like he brought out also shout out to maybe can't forget maybe and also For bringing sure. in yeah. yeah bringing in more races. <laughs> I'll bring in the Asian and it's like yeah that's also what I was talking. About. I want to bring in everyone. Like I have my mind, I have my you know my sight set on everyone who's not at the Stoa. If you're not being represented at the Stoa, I'm like I'm looking at you. Yeah. Um, so I mean what I want to talk about next is the torch. Mm. Oh my God. When I saw that first episode, I wasn't just sm- blowing smoke up your ass, R. And I was like, <laughs> so good. And the Children of Men intro, uh, amazing. And uh, I mean, okay, look, I, of course, I'm going to link this. Everyone, check it out. I mean, really, it's it just, it's fantastic. And uh, just a brief uh, preview is basically it starts off with uh, a scene from the Children of Men. And uh, for those who don't know, Children of Men is basically a movie where a bleak humanity. Uh, people can't have children anymore. And because of that, people have lost hope and like society is in decay. And you, you, you talk about the torch, which is a beautiful metaphor about how it's about, you know, this, 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 this genetic and cultural continuity, which 
give which gives people meaning mm. and again like and you pointed out and i guess i'm sure a lot of people see you know there's uh you know analogs with what's going on in the real world today yeah. and like i'm very curious as to like what inspired the torch and how and what you see like like what are the parallels with uh, the modern situation yeah the torch is a philosophy that sort of i've developed over time i've i've been talking about the torch as a concept for at least 10 years to people wow as sort of thinking like this is kind of like in the making yeah this is kind of like the way things are it's like this is the way things this is this is the way that humans actually sort of uh uh arrange their lives is sort of around this thing which is like they're trying to like kind of like protect something they're kind of trying to like um build something and they pass it on and it just sort of that thing keeps traveling through time, even though the individual dies. Um, and it's sort of like this, like anti-narcissistic philosophy mm, yeah. that like, you know, we kind of, there's so much individualism in our culture and there's so much kind of like this feeling of like, yeah, you do your thing. Like, it's all about you, <laughs> yeah. like indulge yeah, yourself. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've really bought into that in a really serious way. And it's good to explore who you are and it's good to like, you know, understand your identity, but um the it's such a short-sighted way of being because it's like you're gonna die someday like mm, everyone's gonna yeah, die exactly. and so like this sort of feeling of like well i'm just gonna do my thing and i'm just gonna try to like have as much fun and experience as much as i possibly can and, and until i die it's like well, why what's the point of that mm. um and you see that like if people actually try to make sense of their life and they try to actually think about what they should do uh it always comes down to this thing of like, uh, you know, be more than just your physical body, uh, have an influence on people that's positive, mm. um, have children. It's like people are, people really want to have children. And it's like, why do you want to do that? Like, don't you think about why? Exactly. And there's, yeah. you know, and it's like, so people want to have children, but they also want to have some kind of legacy. People want to do something that's good for the world. If we're talking about, you know, climate change, if we're talking about nuclear war or that's like, why do we want to solve these dangers? It's like for the future, for future yeah. generations. And it's like, we say that, but then it's almost like, then we don't act like it. Mm. It's like, it's like, yeah, we got, we got it. We got to solve climate change. And uh, you know, but like, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to have any kids. And I just like want to do my thing and like, just like live my crazy lifestyle. Um, and I think people just find that like it's, it that ends up not being very meaningful. Mm. That what's really meaningful is taking on responsibility for the world uh, kind of, um, trying to lift other people up and trying to build something. And that might be something that's like physical, or it might be something that's more kind of like immaterial, like uh, a philosophy or an idea or a community. Um, but to build something that is going to outlast you, you know, mm, yeah, exactly. like uh, plant, this is a quote, I can't remember what the exact quote is, but like uh, you want to plant trees that you know won't grow until after you die. Like mm. your life should be about that. And um, that is sort of absent in so many ways from our way of thinking about our lives is, is this notion of continuity that you are actually inheriting something from the past that you need to protect and pass it on to the future. Mm. And I think in many ways, this sort of boomer generation kind of fucked that up in some <laughs> yeah. ways. I mean, it's not their fault. I don't want to blame yeah. anyone for that. It's hard to know like the reasons for what happened, but it's like, 
the whole idea of like responsibility and kind of something that you need to inherit and protect and pass on, um, it kind of got obliterated in this uh, sort of explosion of just like uh, liberation and sexual freedom Mm. and uh, privilege and rights and uh, everyone's a sovereign individual and just do your thing. It's like, that's all very important, but we sort of can get lost in that and forget um, that we're part of something that transcends us. And that's something that's billions of years old and that might keep lasting for billions of years. Like we don't really know. Um, But that's, that's really what the, uh, that's anyways, that's just something that my, my philosophy has developed over time to, to think of life that way. It's like, that's what life actually is. That's what humans actually do. Um, And this series is just trying to kind of uh, argue that and provide evidence for why I think it's true. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I mean, I really that really resonates with me because it's like, okay, for okay, if if you people haven't heard by now, if you haven't like uh, watched my uh, or listened to my previous episode, I let out the bombshell that I'm actually a virgin and I'm a voluntary virgin because mm-hmm. I'm weird like that. Like, okay, <laughs> that's just how I am. Like, I'm yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. And I spoke with uh, uh with uh, Tia in the second mm-hmm. episode about like and she's heavily into the tantra and like talk about the divine feminine she's deeply into that and she was talking about how the energy to create a child is the same energy that can be used to co-create a new paradigm you know just like it's like why am i like this like why do i not care about that kind of stuff and it's just like and it just but it's just like i care about all this other stuff but it's because it's just like it's like, why do I have so much freaking energy? Why am I manic like this? And and I was think, talking about that. She's like, yeah, it could be that you're channeling what should come out from the waist down and you're just channeling it back up up here. And then this is why it just bursts out. And like, I use that, like that, that, you know, cause a lot of that, like you could, if you want to get into the more kind of spiritual kind of side, it's kind of like that life force in Tantra. you like, when you just have like a regular orgasm, you're yeah. like expending that life force, like, ugh, right? Yeah, yeah. But in the tantric, in the tantric tradition, you're having like this slow 24-7 orgasm all day long. It's like this circulating, mm. and like I'm doing the tantric breath, and I'm like, I'm I'm sending this energy up my spine, and then I'm circling back down like this. So, and it's just like, why do I care so much? Why do I care so much about noetic nomads? Why do I why why is it am I like letting go of my ego and being like, you know what? I want to bring you on. I want you on. I want you on. Tell me about your event. I'm going to post mm. your event. Tell me what you want to do. Tell me about your work. I'll tell everyone about your project. I want to have a conversation with you. Why is it? It's because I want, it's like, there's something greater that I'm trying to put forward into the future. Now, what exactly is it? Is it, is it noetic nomads? Is it you, the group of, of people that I'm networking with? Is it humanity? Is it life? Mm. Is it you know, is, is it the universe? Is it some collect some collective will? Is it what it's something that I'm channeling that I'm like, this must move forward. And this is what I'm doing. My genes, unless I start like cloning myself, and or one day I'm just like, you know what? Well, you know, it's quite possible, quite possible. I mean, like, you know what? let me get into a romantic relationship. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, let's just do it for the fun of it. Right. I don't need to, but I was like, yeah, hey, I feel like it. But unless that happens, this, this line, this specific line is going to die out, but whatever I, whatever that I I'm working on from now until then, 
Yeah. I'm going to work to push that forward. So yes, I, in a sense, like you made the metaphor. It's like, I'm completing my leg of the relay. I'm taking the baton from what was before. And then I'm passing it on to whoever's here. And yeah. I don't know what exactly that is, but, you know, but I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you're embodying it completely. I mean, and that's, that's a big part of this philosophy that's so important to understand like it's not just about natalism it's not just about having mm. babies like everyone just have lots and lots of babies that's the meaning of life it's like no that's that's not what i'm saying that's a very reductive way of looking at this this idea mm, is yeah. like the torch is something that is not purely genetic and it's um not something that's kind of like made up either or something that like is unnatural to us it's like if, if you look at what humans do because they're conscious because they have culture all their acts are sort of um combining into this this nebulous thing that is both genetic and cultural that you're sort of like maybe what you do is you develop an idea and it's an important idea and your idea is kind of like your baby and it is so powerful that it brings all these other people onto the path. And, um, you know, your idea outlasts you, you die, but your idea goes on to the future. And like you're, you have given birth to something, all that creative sexual mm -hmm. energy you're talking about yeah. is being repurposed in all these ways. Um, and you know, that's been the kind of the path of men for all of history. I mean, prehistory is like men are sort of the, the wielders of culture. And so a lot of men don't breed and that's uh, yeah, the way that our biology yeah. is. They don't breed, but it's You're like, right. are they useless? It's like, of course they're not useless. Men are, men are incredibly useful. They're incredibly powerful, but not all of them are going to have children. Mm. All the women usually do. Yeah. That's usually the pattern, but, but a lot of the men, they're kind of expendable. As you said, they might have roles like being the shaman and they don't have the shaman doesn't really have children, but he has a very important role. He also contributes to this, um, passing on of something. He helps the tribe survive. He plays a, a very special spiritual role. And he's very much like a father in that. Um, or someone is just, you know, building things like actual like structures to live in. Mm. Or, you know, someone is hunting or there's all kinds of ways in which you contribute to the collective energy of the tribe, which is this torch. And so mm. everyone is part of that. And that's why it means all of your actions actually are either a gift to the future or they're kind of taking away from the future. Uh, and so yeah. it's not just like, Oh, have kids and you're good. It's like, no, you have a responsibility with everything you do as being a parent to the world and being a parent to the future, like whether or not you have children. And that's sort of the philosophy that I think is not only meaningful, like you'll find a lot of meaning in that you'll find mm -hmm. like, Oh, my life is meaningful. If I understand this responsibility, but it's also something that would be good for the world. I don't want to, I don't want to say something ridiculous, like my philosophy could save the world. But like, <laughs> what, what I mean is like, uh, I do think that this way of looking at things is the truth. I just like plain and simple. I think it's true, mm -hmm, yeah. but I also think if you adopt this philosophy, like it is, it is actually something that will help the world. And um, that's why I feel really passionate about it. Basically. It's like, I think this is real and I think it's good. And I think this could change the way you think. Um, in a way that's really important. It's what we need right now. Mm. Beautifully put, Aaron. This is why I wanted you on. This is why we're connecting. Clearly, there's something happening here that we're completely unconscious of. But yeah, there's a reason why we're talking right here.
again, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was amazing. I don't even know if I want to ask the next question because I feel like uh, I should be paying you for this because I'm <laughs> asking for therapy. Um, or we could, or we could save it for the next recording. Newsflash, everybody! I will be appearing on Orange Show next, so stay tuned. But first, I was wondering if you would be so kind to indulge me. What exactly do you see in me? And what I mean by that is like, I know you, you have like you, you could, you could peer into people's souls. I'm not saying that like you know you could see everything about me. But I'm like, you have this, you know, you could really, you know, peer into the depths of people's characters and maybe what drives them. And again, like you're deep into this meaning stuff with, you know, yeah. evolutionary psychology and all that. So I was just very curious, what, like, what forces do you see in me? What aspects, what shadow, what, what, what do you see coming out of me or through me? Or what do you see me channeling? I don't know. However you want to answer that. Um. You are a passionate person and you have been full of a deep love your entire life, a deep energy your entire life. And uh, you are an unfortunate casualty of the system in which that love, that energy was not able to properly channel itself. And mm. instead of being able to uh, make connections with people and spread that love and harness that energy and uh what it built up into beautiful creations um the the system kind of fucked you up and prevented you from doing that mm. and uh that is something that you've struggled with your entire life i would say is um why can't my love energy uh make its mark why can't it land why can't it get to where it needs to go mm. instead it's just kind of like this thing that keeps misfiring and misfiring and misfiring or mm. there's all these obstacles um so I think that you are uh, a deeply masculine person and that's been something that has been both a burden and been uh, something that is a uh, virtue and mm -hmm. uh, you haven't been able to fit in anywhere because of this. Um, so I'd say the world has failed you in many ways. You're someone with so much potential, so much power and so much goodness in you but the world has failed you. Like it fails so many young men, I would yeah, say. Yeah, it's yeah. like all this energy, all this positive energy, and it's all love. It's like, it's easy to throw it away as if it's something that's like kind of like destructive or like, it's like violent, but it's like, no, like lover and warrior are intertwined in yeah. men. Mm. And if you don't find a way to channel that properly, all this energy just like goes it go released through the cracks. It blows out the sides. It doesn't get channeled properly. And I think that's been your experience. And I think that you have rediscovered uh, as you've gotten older um, that energy in a way that you can channel it properly. And I think right now, I think with, with the work you're doing, you're finding a way to channel it properly and have it land, have it get to where it needs to go. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> something that not everyone has is that energy. Uh, people are tired. People don't have enough uh, time or focus to really do anything besides take care of themselves. You clearly have more energy than you need personally. Mm, and that's, that's what makes you point. like a father to the world. That was, mm. That's what gives you so much potential to be a parent to other people and to uh, our entire existence is you have more energy than you need 
and mm. you just need to let it overflow and hand it to people yeah. and find a way to do that. And mm. I think that's something that you've struggled with. I think that's something that you are sort of, um, uh, figuring out now it's a skill you're developing of how to put your energy into into good packages and deliver it to people so they can actually receive them and accept it and uh um as christian's saying in the chat he's saying albert energizes me and it's mm -hmm. like exactly yeah. it's, you, it's like yeah. you are uh you energize other people and uh this conversation for instance this was super easy to have like we just had like a oh, nine minute conversation yeah. and it was like this was like a piece of cake and uh, i've had other chats uh, not, I mean, not a bunch of chats, but I've had other chats where like, I'm like struggling to like kind of get through like, <laughs> yeah. like 30 minutes where it's like, yeah. okay, like, mm. what are we talking about? Like, uh, I guess I can bring up this other random thing that we talked about, but you know, for you, it's like the energy's there. All I got to do is just like, uh, you know, plug my charger into you. Like you're just uh -huh. like a socket and it's like, <laughs> all right, like hundred yeah. percent, like Albert's got all that energy yeah. I need. So and that's, caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's a, that's a beautiful gift that we, uh, that we really need everyone benefits from. So that's, that's your path. That's my analysis. Could be wrong, but. Uh, wow. Aaron, that was, that was incredible. I felt, I felt, I, I, I got a hurt in the feels. Oh my God. That was amazing. I felt the love. I really appreciate that. And again, you, yeah, you did uh, reflect a lot with what I felt and like, I'm glad that, you know, like someone could see that. So I just want to say, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming on, blessing us with this amazing episode. People find out all about Arn's worth. I'm going to put it on the show notes, but Arn, where can people find out more about you, social media links and whatnot. Uh, so my name is Aaron Rogerson and that's A-R-R-A-N. Um, if you type that into social media, you'll find me. If you type that into YouTube, you'll find my channel. Um, the URLs are not very good way to find me, but, uh, on Twitter, I'm at Aaron, at A-R-R-A-N. Um, and that's my primary dispensary of wisdom on a daily basis right now is Twitter. Um, and you can find everything else through that. So that's what I'd say. All right. You heard him here, folks. Mainline that wisdom into your system at Aaron on Twitter. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Again, amazing. Thank you, Aaron, for coming, blessing us with this. Thank you, Christian, for your awesome comments and your questions. And that's it, everyone. Tune in for another episode I'm going to be doing on Aaron's podcast. I'll link to that as well. So don't worry. You can get a double dose of us real quick. Okay. And that's it for another episode of Noic Nomads. Step up, everyone, because the world needs you. Okay. Peace out. Bye. Woo! Stop recording.